having been through a lot of therapy now and continuing to be through therapy and and speaking openly about it, it's taken such a weight off my shoulders. I realize how much of my day was spent trying to hide that from the world and how exhausting it was. So if I can get any message out, it's tell someone, don't keep it inside, let it out. It gets easier from that point on. And down the road, you may be the person that somebody else confides in because they've found a shared experience in hearing your own personal story. I'm Jamie Mo Crazy, and you're listening to Life Gets Mo Crazy, where we'll hear from people who either been through a trauma or helped someone else through it. Listen and learn strategies you can implement in your life so when a metaphorical avalanche slides you down the mountain of life you can climb an alternative peak with the best view i am here today with eric de rosa and we are talking about what you do if instead of having a big glaring trauma, like most of the people I interview on this show, you have a lot of little traumas that add up to being really debilitating and change your mindset and change your opportunities in life. Because I've felt that quite often when people talk to me, every film festival that I've gone to, people say, well, I have a trauma. Of course, it was nothing compared to yours, but here's how it affected me. And they always feel like they have to justify why they have emotions and why they feel like they have thoughts and traumatic experiences because they feel like their trauma isn't big enough. And that's not the truth with trauma at all. Every trauma affects every person their own way. And every time you have struggles and things affect your mind, instead of comparing yourself and in competition with other people, I feel like we're in competition about traumas, which is not how it's supposed to be. So I'm so excited that Eric's here to talk with me about mindset when you encounter multiple little struggles. Thank you so much for having me on this morning, Jamie. And I really love that introduction because in it's so very true. You can have a large trauma in your life and that trauma can take many different pieces and parts and however it looks. And uh, But you can also have these small traumas that add up to, right, a large trauma. And, and I love how you said people are actually uh, taking trauma now to the competitive level. And you're a competitor. I've competed. Uh, we're both in the, the snow sports world. And, and it's true. People are always finding a way to say, well, my, I've had these horrible things happen to me, but it, it's definitely not as bad as what happened to you. And, and the reality is each and every one of us is unique in our trauma experiences. And whatever it looks like, for each and every one of us is is what it is and for me uh, if i you know kind of starting at the end and going back to the beginning in december of 2021 i was actually diagnosed with childhood ptsd emotional ptsd and that was something that took 51 years to finally be diagnosed 
But if we go all the way back, all of those small T traumas that I experienced throughout my childhood manifested themselves through severe anxiety and panic attacks and obsessive compulsive disorder and intrusive thoughts, things that really ruled my life for a very long time. And as you had said, there wasn't any one particular large trauma or episode that then led to where I I ended up having two nervous breakdowns in the mid-2000s. But it was a series of all of these symptoms that I was experiencing throughout my childhood, my high school years, my college years, my work years in New York, that then finally led to me breaking down uh, and eventually starting to seek out therapy, speaking to people about it, not hiding behind a facade any longer. Uh, and it's about finding these things that can help us manage and heal from these traumas. And and ultimately, it was discovering skiing in my mid-30s that really helped to turn around the trajectory of my own personal journey. Yeah. I did want to bring up that it's interesting because with competition. I have been very competitive my whole life. However, my mom taught me from a young age that whenever I was competing and whenever I was performing, I was really competing against myself. I was performing at my own personal best for each day. And what I could execute was against me, no one else. I had no control over anyone else. I just had control over me, which I think is one of the things that confuses people a lot about different forms of competition. Because I think that if you are competing, and even though you want to be the best, like I wanted my best to be better than everyone else's best, you have no control over anyone else. So it's the same kind of idea with a trauma. You have no control over anyone else's trauma. Um, but that doesn't take away how your trauma is affecting you. And I feel like too many people, when they compare themselves to other people or try to compete with other people. They try to invalidate their feelings and their emotions. They say, well, I don't deserve to be sad. I don't deserve to be overwhelmed because yours is worse. Like that concept of I don't deserve it is not true. Like you do deserve all your feelings. And what you also led to is you can heal them and change them. So going to see a therapist, starting to take steps is so crucial because a lot of people, when they feel, even if they have thoughts, they, they push them down and they say they don't need to recognize them and they don't need to pay attention to them because it's not really that bad. You know, the, the idea of, well, you have food on the table, so you shouldn't be upset. Like, yes, we should be grateful that we have food on the table, but you are going to get upset. So um, that's one of the, the big things is if you, if you push it under because you feel like you don't deserve to acknowledge your feelings, then they'll just continue staying forever. Yes. I, and you bring up two really important points there. One, and on our show with our guests, we talk a lot about this idea that each and every one of our guests that we have on, their story is like a fingerprint. There are no two that are the same. But there can be some similarities. There can be some shared experiences. And for anyone who's experienced trauma, there's a certain amount of empathy that we can experience with one another. And, and you're right. In no way should it or will it be a competition. It's here is what I experienced and here's how it manifested itself. And that's where the dialogue 
should begin, right? And, and end. And, um, the other big piece is, you know, pushing it down and, and wearing a facade. And I think for myself, you know, it was 33 years of never sharing my secret with anybody. I thought as I was growing up as a kid, I thought I was different. I used to look around and wonder, why can't I be like all of my other friends, which I now know looking back and having spoken to them, a lot of them were dealing with the very same things that I was. And they were feeling the exact same way that I can't talk about it. I can't share it. What are other people going to think? And that continued for a very long time. And it, it when I look back, I was almost living two lives. I was living the life on the inside that was full of anxiety and it was full of these intrusive thoughts and obsessive compulsive disorder sort of ruling my life and taking up so much time in my day. But then I was wearing the facade of what I wanted the outside world to see. And having been through a lot of therapy now and continuing to be through therapy and and speaking openly about it in many forums, it's taken such a weight off my shoulders. I realized how much of my day was spent trying to hide that from the world and how exhausting it was. So if I can get any message out uh, to your audience early, it's tell someone, don't keep it inside, let it out. It gets easier from that point on, even though it may seem like it's the scariest thing in the world to share that experience with somebody, it will get better. It will get easier. And down the road, you may be the person that somebody else confides in because they've found a shared experience in hearing your own personal story. Yeah. I definitely think getting it out there, just admitting that you have these challenges and and these uh, things are affecting you is so crucial to the first step of healing, um, getting it out there. And then the next step of healing is taking action that like makes you happy and like doing things, which you mentioned your healing through skiing and then also just healing through nature in general. Of course. So at 33 years old, I had had my first nervous breakdown. My wife encouraged me to go speak to a therapist for the first time. And I did. And he said to me, Hey, you know what I think might help? You should try skiing. And so I went through all of the, the arguments. No, I hate the snow. I hate the cold. And I let that ruminate for a little while. And I ended up going to Vermont one weekend uh, in March of 2005 for my wife's uh, birthday. And Got on skis for the first time on the magic carpet. And by the end of the second day, was up at the top of Stratton Mountain and just taken with how unbelievably serene the setting was, the, the view sliding around on snow. And it was, it was really the first sport that I discovered that I wanted to do on my own terms. And, and I tell that story to a lot of my ski clients. To this day, when they say, you know, I'm too old to learn how to ski, or, you know, I don't, a lot of times I don't want to ski this, or I don't want to do this, I can't do this. And I tell them that story. And, you know, five years later, I was certified as a ski instructor. And a year after that, my wife and I moved here to Snowmass Village, which is uh, part of uh, the Aspen Snowmass Ski Resort. And we've been teaching skiing here full time for, for 12 seasons. And for me, being out on the snow is one of my favorite places 
in the entire world. Uh, you know, it's, I can be present. I can be grounded. My, the, my thoughts are focused on what I'm doing at the moment. You, you competed, Jamie, at a level, uh, you know, far beyond what I do. And you know, the amount of concentration that's needed, uh, especially when your skis are off the snow and you're in the air and, uh, you have to be in the present because if there's any other thoughts that are taking place, things can go, you know, terribly wrong. And, and so for me, whether it's in the trees, it's a crazy powder day. It's, it's my way of almost meditating through movement, um, on a surface, which I love in an environment, which I love. And, and I take that from the snow in the wintertime to mountain biking in the summertime. I'm sure where you are in Utah, you have some amazing mountain biking as well. And, and for me, it's almost like skiing on dirt. I, it's, it's the same scenery. It's the same everything around me, except I just, I'm using a different medium to be able to bring myself into the present moment and really enjoy what's around me. And I find, especially if I'm having, you know, stressful days or, or things in other parts of my life are not going so well, you know, either mountain biking or skiing, it can put me in a place where I can really reflect and sit with what's happening. And ultimately I'll come back home and feel like a completely different person. And that brings us to the next thing we want to talk about, which is meeting yourself where you are at. Yep. So I, part of it was born out of me thinking back to my childhood days when, you know, I, I was a really good student. But on all of my report cards, it was Eric needs to learn how to get along with others. Eric needs to uh, be seen and not heard. And as I then took myself back into my adult life, I thought back to my work career in New York. And it was always, um, you know, you need to learn how to get along with others. You need to meet other people where they're at. And and it finally dawned on me that probably the reason I couldn't do that is because I couldn't even meet myself where I was at. I had no idea how to regulate my own emotions. I had no idea how to verbalize what I was actually dealing with. And so in every environment that I was in, I was trying to find my voice in many instances, I was acting out and it wasn't because I was acting out for attention. I was acting out because I needed help, but I didn't know how to say it. And so I thought, well, before we can even think about meeting other people where they're at, we have to meet ourselves where we're at. And that can be waking up in the morning and checking in. How am I doing today? What's on my schedule? What's on my to-do list? Uh, what did I do yesterday? Am I feeling tired or, you know, am I feeling energized? It's, it's really this kind of self check-in and then you can go out into the world and you know, like, okay, today I can be around a bunch of people. I'm, I'm feeling really good. And, or, you know what, I think I need to kind of just stay home. I need to, you know, grab a great book or I've, or I've been traveling and I'm really exhausted and I know if I, I could get around certain people, you know, I'm just not in the mood for that kind of conversation. And so 
for me, it's been a big part of, of each and every day. And it changes. It can change throughout the day. It can change throughout the week. But for me, it's been a way to, to really discover who am I and where am I at right now? Uh, and what do I need in my life and what can I offer in my life that is going to be helpful rather than harmful? And that is one of the things about meeting yourself where you are at that's important is it's so easy to think that you can always see everyone or always do things or you should always be able to. And one of the things that I've noticed about myself is whenever I'm on a trip, um, especially a really fun trip, the day after I come home, it's going to be kind of a unwind, let down a little bit. I'm not going to be as happy. And that just happens. And so acknowledging the different swings of your mood. Um, some people have asked me, like, can I do things to never be upset or things like that? And it's like, no, you're always going to have mood swings no matter what. You won't need to get triggers. You won't need to feel like that debilitating anxiety that you've had. Like you can take steps to to help with some of those things. But like you mentioned, the kids that you looked up to that seemed so happy, they have things that they struggle with. Like every single person, whether you've had a big trauma or your life looks like it's perfect from the outside, you have things that you struggle with. It's just part of being a human. So acknowledge where you're at and where, what you're struggling with. So true. And, and what you were saying about emotions is, is very true because getting back to what we spoke about earlier in the conversation, if we keep pushing things down or if we try to say, you know, I, I, I am not ever going to show my emotions. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to get frustrated. Well, at some point by pushing all of that down, when it does finally come out, <laughs> whatever environment it comes out in, it's going to be exponential. Yeah. And what I would like to switch over to is talking about the importance of asking open-ended questions. Yes. So I've learned and I've, I've talked about this over the past couple of years quite a bit. One of the things that I think for people who are hiding our mental health issues which which helps us to be able to hide that is when people ask us closed-ended questions. And I look back and my life was all about mastering answers to closed-ended questions because it always went something like, hey, how was your day? Good. How are you feeling? Fine. What's going on? No, I'm okay. And and it always ended with with that. And so it allowed me to just continue to hide in the shadows, as I like to say, and not let anybody know what was going on. When, when you're suspecting that somebody might be struggling, what you want to be doing is asking open-ended questions where it allows somebody or, or creates an environment for somebody to not just be able to react with set answers, but it's, it creates this pause and it's it's more of a response. And when you can interrupt somebody's thought pattern like that, they may start to share something. So do you have some examples of questions to ask? Sure. So I talk a lot of, with parents about 
kids and uh, especially in today's environment. So kids come home from school, they come through the front door, parents are there, how was your day? Great, up the stairs, slam the door and they're on, you know, TikTok, Snapchat or whatever they're doing. And so I say, you know, when the kids come through the door, you can start with how was your day? And if you get one of those good and they're about to take off, say no, 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 no. Let's sit down, put your backpack down. How was that? history test you had today. And by starting that dialogue, you're again, interrupting thoughts, you're creating a new pattern, you're somebody's not going directly to the phone. And it may not be in that particular instance. But if you continue having those kind of conversations, sooner or later, your child or your friend or your loved one may open up, and you may start to discover, wait a second, something isn't right where they may start to share something with you. And, and it's a really good way to, to check on your friends and, and check on your kids and check on your loved ones. And, um, and it's worked for me. We, my wife and I practice that in our house now. And, and she knows to, to ask those open-ended questions. So I can't get away with uh, kind of a one word answer and, and run away. I think that's a great idea. Asking open-ended questions. You actually have dialogue instead of just giving recited responses. Yes. Reactions. And it's, it's training our brains to respond rather than react. And usually our reactions are, are things which are pre-programmed and they're so easy for us. And for those of us who hide our mental health struggles or our trauma struggles, it's, it's what we do on a day in and day out basis. So we are reaching the end of our time in this great conversation. So what would you like to leave the audience with? Uh, again, I, I, a couple of things. One, there's, there's hope, there's help, and there is a way through, even though it may seem at a particular point in time that it's really dark and that you just can't see things getting better. It will just hang on, speak, and and more importantly, tell someone. Don't keep it stuffed down inside. There's somebody else just like you out there who's struggling as well, and you're not alone. And there are people in your life or in your circle uh, who you can trust, who won't pass judgment. And just by sharing what's happening, it'll make you feel a little bit better. And by feeling a bit better, it makes that healing journey much, much easier. Amazing. And what is your podcast and how can our listeners listen to it? Sure. So the podcast is called From Survivor to Thriver. New episodes come out each and every Tuesday morning, and you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. And we have a Facebook page by the same name where you can find audio clips, video clips, and links to the podcast. And you can find me either on LinkedIn or on Instagram as well. And I'd love to love to hear from your audience what you thought about this episode. And, and if you have any questions uh, in general about you know, mental health issues or, or questions about what to do or, or where to turn, I'm, I'm always happy to, to hear from you. And I answer my messages uh, really quickly. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Jamie. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in to listen to Life Gets Mo Crazy. 
I hope you learned some new ways to climb an alternative peak after an unexpected trauma by listening to this episode. If you loved it, which I really hope you did, please subscribe to the podcast and share with your family and friends. If you would like to follow my Mo Crazy Life, well, you can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, or my Facebook accounts at Jamie Mo Crazy or hashtag Mo Crazy Strong. So stay tuned for our next episode. Each episode is the last Friday of each month. And in every episode, you will learn something special and something new on how to climb an alternative peak. So thanks again for tuning in and go have a mo crazy life until we talk again.